Welcome to the OOO Ozempic and Semaglutide podcast. Get ready to hear from best-selling healthcare author Dr. Josh Luke as he facilitates a discussion on healthy weight loss and living healthy. And now here's your host, Dr. Josh Luke. Welcome back. Really excited today. We have uh, an awesome guest, uh, Kristen Kirkpatrick, MS, RDN, from the Cleveland Clinic Department of Wellness and Preventative Medicine. And folks, if you don't work in healthcare like I do as a hospital CEO, Cleveland Clinic is the cream of the crop, one of the top hospitals in the country, um, a best-selling author, contributing writer for the today.com platform. Uh, on the Today Show is where I first uh, was exposed uh, to Kristen and uh, and right now also a best-selling author and new book regenerative health discover your metabolic type and review your liver for life written uh, with Dr. Ibrahim Hanahay and uh, I'm sorry if I got that name wrong but uh, welcome to the show oh. Kristen. <laughs> thank you so much Dr. Luke appreciate being here yeah I'm excited to talk to you and we're going to get to a list you've prepared of five ways to kind of live healthy and, and keep the weight off um on when you're when you're done with the weight loss injections in fact that might be our second two-part show if we can convince you to stick around but for now i just wanted to start by saying people tune in to this podcast because we've told them on each show we're going to answer just one very specific question on each show that will help you get more confidence in potentially um, joining the weight loss injection revolution that was started by ozempic and now there's wagovi manjaro so just Give people your perspective on its safety and if they're thinking about doing it, what they should keep in mind, in addition to going to start by talking to their doctor. Right. Of course. Yeah. Starting to the doc, but starting by talking with your doctor is really the key um, and really getting this medication from your doctor versus like a medical spa, things like that, of course, are really essential. You know, from the safety mechanism, uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to speak with many endocrinologists and physicians that I work with. And really the safety is uh, appears to be good, but really these are new drugs in terms of their aspect of utilizing them for weight loss. So we really don't know completely the long-term data. Hopefully we will have more data in the next few years, but um, you know, with any drug, there's going to be some sort of risk. These appear to be relatively safe. Uh, some drugs appear to be a little bit more effective, like Monjoro appears to be a little bit more effective based on the recent data. Um, but it's really going to boil down to your own personal health and, and really what, what are some of the chronic conditions that you're trying to manage in addition to weight? How does this drug really impact the safety on that mechanism? So you know, it's hard to say, oh, this is safe. Everyone should consider it because we just don't have the data to, to really show that long term. Well, in this day and age, it's so easy. I mean, the obvious comparison is with the COVID vaccines. Look, we're only three years into those. And uh, same thing, we fast-tracked it, and there's still data coming out today. And uh, I am encouraged, as you just mentioned, that the the, the data that is coming out uh, appears to be overwhelmingly positive, not just yes. for weight loss and diabetic management, but also stroke. And it, it just, the story continues to get better. So uh, beyond just the newness of it, why don't you kind of just throw one warning sign up there for people that you've seen that, hey, the one thing I have, some people have told me or or that have tried it, have said this, is, is there something that you're hearing consistently just to kind of, you can give people a heads up on? Yeah, so I do agree with you. I think these are game-changing drugs. They're uh, helping people that have really struggled with weight loss in the past, so they're very effective. 
in that manner. The one thing I would say just to, to look out for is that sometimes if you're going to consider getting on some of these drugs, you, you might have to consider being on them lifelong. And I think we don't always think about that. We think I'm going to get on the drug so I can lose the weight. And then once I lose the weight, I'm just going to get off because I've reached my goal. I've had a lot of patients who have uh, been getting on any of these drugs, any kind of GLP-1 agonist drug. And then they will contact me after saying, oh my gosh, I lost the 30 pounds. I went off it. Now I've gained five pounds in a week. I got to go back on. So I think we have to kind of change our mind shift that this is most likely, you know, I'm not a physician, but most likely going to be something you might have to consider taking lifelong in order to keep the weight off. Because once you get off these drugs, all of the hunger comes back, things come back. Yeah. And so if we didn't change behavior to begin with, we just relied on the drug to eat less. Um, it's going to be hard to then expect that all the weight will just magically stay off once we're done. Yeah. And, and it's funny because my wife and I've been on this journey for four months now and, and we've been talking. Uh, I'm going to wean down to you know a lower dose for a month and then go off, see how that goes. She wants to go cold turkey. But, you know, and, and people have said, do you think you'll go back on once once a year or so? And and even the five pound comment you made, like I'll gain five pounds on a weekend sometimes. But, you know, you wake up Monday and you don't you don't eat as much. And all right. of a sudden you're only a pound or two up. So I do think as you pointed out, the point of our whole show is long-term healthy approach to not just weight loss, but living at a healthy weight. And part of the reason this has been so important in my life is I turned 50 recently. It's just harder to keep it off. And so yeah. I wanted to um, just ask you about that because I think this really gets to your sweet spot too of one of your many expertises is just um, really uh, in your new book, you talk about how to approach um your nutrition um whether you're on the injections or not in a manner that's best for your body so can you get into that a little bit yeah so i think you know we're we're all very unique uh genetically speaking i mean we're like 99.9 percent .9 all the same as humans but we have these small indicators outside in this genotyping that's a little bit different that makes us very unique so uh there's a lot of different factors that impact whether or not someone's going to be more susceptible and prone to overweight and obesity so we have to look at those unique factors to begin with. Uh, we should also look at history. You know, I have patients that come in and say, oh, I wanna lose 50 pounds because my kid's getting married. I just wanna look great in the dress. And where we start is really two, really, it's really two different paths. Number one, what have you done in the past? You know, what has worked, what has not worked? And number two, I love the, the vanity goal. And vanity goals can be really motivating trying to get into that dress. I'm a woman, believe me, I get it, very motivating. Uh, but the vanity goals don't stick. So really the question is number two, what are the goals that are impacting your longevity? So the goals that stick are, I don't want to get Alzheimer's like my grandmother did. I don't want to get cancer like my mother did. I don't want to have the heart attack in my forties like my father did. Those are the goals that we know from the data tend to lead to more long-term sustainability. So really pinpoint what's the goal and you might refer to it as the why what what's your why what's your why and then decide okay based on my why here's going to be the right approach for me and we also have to appreciate that even though you could be overweight or even obese your metabolic numbers might not be completely abnormal or and even though you could be a normal weight your metabolic numbers could be a disaster so we can't just look at a person and then assign, well, they must be unhealthy, right? So what's the goal that we're trying to achieve without, 
without questioning or labeling what someone has or how long they're going to live simply based on weight. And we are guilty as a nation of doing that, right? For the past 50 to 60 years, the weight loss industry is huge because of that. Sure. No, and I I really love what you said that um, two, two points came to mind as you said that when my wife and I first started these, I remember sitting down at the dinner one night and thinking, should we order an appetizer and split it? And then I went, oh, wait a minute. No, we are on a plan where these shots are not burning fat. What they're doing is telling our brain we're not hungry. So if we don't have a meal plan with calories and carbs and everything else planned out, uh, it's not going to work. And so that was a real wake up call, number one. But number two, it was really consistent with what we were trying to do. I had I'd been an intermittent faster, mostly because I was on the go in the morning and didn't really get hungry till lunchtime. But when I started this diet with the injections, I said, I can't do that anymore. I have a job. My brain needs to function in the morning. So I'm going to get up and have a small, healthy breakfast. But that's the lifestyle I want to live for the next 40 years is being able to eat fruit and granola and some orange juice in the morning and then having a a normal meal day. And it really is an opportunity to get away from these fad diets, these crash diets, these starve yourself of carbs, which, by the way, I think most affluent Americans are doing anyway as they get into their 40s and 50s because we've been so entrenched to limit our carb intake and sugars. Right. So um, does this really open the door, these injections? for finally an opportunity to live a little lighter, but to do it the right way? Yeah, well, I think the key point that you just said is is doing it the right way. So uh, when I present and and provide seminars to practitioners who are prescribing some of these GLP-1 agonist drugs, I focus a lot on protein and the importance of protein. So think about it from this perspective, and you understand because you're on the drug, you're eating so much less. That's really the mechanism. There's a lot of mechanisms that occur, but all of it leads to just simply eating less. So because you're eating less, you have to get bang for your nutritional buck. There was a researcher a few months ago that did a podcast and I just, it's never left my mind. And he said, you know, the risk of some people on GLP-1 agonist drugs is that they will become metabolically fatter, meaning that they will lose the weight, but all the weight they're gonna lose is gonna be muscle because they're not focusing on nutrition. So from that perspective, we really have to be really good as health practitioners on educating our patients on the importance of protein and the importance of getting enough nourishment, vitamins, minerals, the right macronutrients, the micronutrients, in order to make sure that because you're eating so much less, you're not eating things that have no nutrient density. There's no room for that anymore. So when you're eating a lot, Maybe there's room for a handful of some sort of junk food, right? If the rest of the diet looks pretty good, that opportunity goes away when you're eating so little. So you have to make the most of what you're consuming. Protein, as we know, and looking at amino acid metabolism, that helps with being able to retain muscle mass. Um, Anytime we lose weight, we unfortunately lose some fat and some muscle. There's no way to avoid it, but we need to lose less muscle in order to not fall into that metabolically fatter role. And I'm really glad you brought that up, Kristen, because we've been really forthcoming with any um, warning signs or red flags. And and one very, I, I consider it to be a small one, but Kristen just hit on it. One of the early signs of the weight loss injections is that it's burning slightly more fat than the, excuse me, muscle than fat than traditional diets. And and what the way I read it, and please again, don't quote me, I'm never giving out medical advice, but the research is out there. 
um, that a normal diet might be about 20 to 24% uh, muscle versus fat being burnt. And with the injections, they're finding it to be in the low 30s. Again, early, it's early in the process. So right. not overreact to it, but let's be conscious of it and aware of it. And I really like your point about that. So one of the other things that you said as we get to our last few minutes here that I want you to, to really elaborate on is not just consult your doctor, but preferably have your doctor be the person who injects you each week. Um, we've interviewed some people, and I think that's what I understood you to say, and we've interviewed some people who live in rural areas and don't necessarily have that opportunity on a weekly basis. So can you just tell folks Hey, if you are someone who has to self-inject or just going to a clinic where they might not be a physician, but the NP is there somewhere in the building or whatever it might be, can you give them one or two things just to be conscious of and think about whether it's temperature of the drug, whatever it might be, what are some of the things that if they're not getting injected by an actual physician, just to be aware of? Well, I mean, to, to be to, to to be honest, most of my patients are self-injecting. Um, they are at home self-injecting. Um, so I would say that's the majority of the patients that I have. But to your point, what I think is critical is that their health practitioner, whether that is an NP or a registered dietitian or their endocrinologist, is following them through the process. They're not yeah. just writing the script. And yeah. then, okay, you know, see me in six months and, and shoot me a shoot me a, a my chart message if you happen to have some bad side effects. Yeah. They're really um, kind of connecting them with, and I'm, of course I'm biased, of course, on this one, but connecting them with the registered dietitian who will work with them on a weekly basis to say, let's look at your diet. Let's look at what we can improve. Um, just because we're taking the drug, the, 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 the shot itself is probably the easiest thing to do. Yeah. It's everything that comes after the drug is, yeah. is, is you know, injected. So I think um, really the follow-up needs to be with an RD who is kind of holding that person's hand throughout the process to make sure their dietary decisions are ones that will really fit into a better long-term outcome. Awesome. That is such good stuff. Um that's uh, really good input too. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap up part one of this episode. And one of the things I always like to end with is, and and you're the perfect person for it because I've seen on not just your website at kristenkirkpatrick.com, but on uh, today.com, so many of your articles, you have all these great recipe suggestions. We like to wrap up with like a 200 or 300 calorie meal that's one of your favorite go-tos, whether you're on the run or just at home and you're like, oh, I'm craving this. Can you share one of your faves with everybody? Yeah, sure. So I love, um, like, I'm all about convenience. I have two small children and, you know, really busy jobs. So sometimes I'm not going to have like an hour to make dinner in the evening. Yeah. Um, so I love just keeping frozen chicken breasts in my freezer. They're really easy to just kind of defrost, get some broccoli, steam some broccoli. And then um, I, I love like, I love the Costco pesto sauce. Again, yeah. you can make your own, but that's a really good one. <laughs> and just put that on top. That is a great meal. You're getting yeah. healthy fats, you're getting lean source of protein and you're getting a green and a cruciferous vegetable. Really easy to put together. You can do this all fresh, but you can do it within probably 15, 20 minutes if you buy things frozen. So all just right. make life easy. That's an easy one. I like it. Definitely a, a quick one. You can do it, like you said, the fresh way or the frozen way. So 
Awesome stuff. Again, best-selling author from Cleveland Clinic Department of Wellness and Preventative Medicine. Gave you so much good stuff. You can uh, check her out at kristenkirkpatrick.com. Um, she's also pretty active on social media. Check out her new book, Regenerative Health. Thank you so much for joining the OOO Ozempic and Semaglutide podcast. Thanks, Dr. Josh. You've been listening to the OOO Ozempic and Semaglutide podcast. Dr. Josh Luke is a PhD, but not a medical doctor. And none of his comments or comments of his guests are intended to be medical advice. Make sure to like, follow, share, and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back soon with a new episode.